There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We certainly like to welcome each and every one of our listeners, those listening at home, those listening on the road, other places, those you listen at work. Thank God you have a job, you can listen to the podcast. I know we have some folks that listen in their truck driving, have some folks that work while they're farming, some folks just sit at work with nothing else to do as they listen to the podcast. We certainly are thankful for each and every one of you. I had a job like that for a long time. I just sat there and waited for something to happen. And so got to listen to a lot of preaching back in the early 2000s, and I certainly appreciate it. Thank the Lord for the word of God. It helped me. It helped to train me as a preacher. I'd listen to other men preach and uh, listen to the words of God, and God would teach me doctrine, instruct me, and how we thank Him, praise Him for that. I do pray for these young men that have been recently called under the ministry, been called to preach this glorious gospel. And there's a long dearth in the land, I felt, as far as our ministry, around our ministry. Not many had called in the last couple of years. We've seen five or six that say they've been called to preach. And I'm going to preach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and how we bless the name of the Lord. We're in Matthew 18 today. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus Christ is, again, he's teaching, he's instructing as he always has done. He still is teaching, he still is instructing by the word of God. And we see in verse 1 of chapter 18, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And isn't that just like the natural man? Who's the greatest? We want to know who, who has the most esteem, who has the highest seat. And you know what I marvel at? The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's none greater. We don't need anyone else. And yes, we'll see those that have been put in position. He's going to have those that rule over uh, cities, rule over towns, rule over nations. No doubt his disciples are going to have a seat. Uh, there is a bishopric they will have. We understand that according to Scripture. But who's the greatest of all? What a kind of a silly question. But he doesn't avoid that question. This is what he says about that question. Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. This is humbling, by the way. Uh, when you're looking for the answer, maybe it'd be me. And I'm not saying that making an accusation, his disciples said this, but you know they kind of came together and put their heads together and said, who's going to be the greatest? I wonder who the greatest will be. And they might have been thinking of Elijah or Abraham or David or kind of wondering those things. I think carnal men still think those things and still process those things. And which of us will be the greatest? Which of us will have great reward? I remember one of the greatest preachers of my generation, and he's with the Lord now. And I remember him saying that he wouldn't be able to see his wife. She'd be so far ahead of him in line for rewards at that judgment seat. He said, but he thinks the preacher's going to get the reward. And he's the one that taught me years ago. He said, no, this is the calling. There's no reward for doing your calling. He said, my wife will be far ahead of me for rewards because she's done those things necessary to complete the ministry. And how we thank the Lord for that. Who's the greatest? Well, a little child would be. That's the example Jesus Christ uses. 
He called a little child unto him, set him in the midst of them. So now you can picture this child sitting in the midst of these men. Jesus Christ is there. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted. And there's the problem. A lot of folks just never been converted. That's why so much pride. And oh, I watch people so filled with pride. What they've done, what they've accomplished, what they have done in life. And boy, they just... They're so proud of their heritage and their home and their culture. They they cannot mix cultures. They cannot cross cultures. Why, they think their culture is the best. I said for years, every culture in the Petri dish thinks it's the best culture. And that's just the way people are. They think their culture is the best. But in God's eyes, it's just filthy rags. It's just a Petri dish is all it is. And uh, lots of good stuff grows in the Petri dish. Penicillin grows in there. It cures. There's also stuff that will kill you in the Petri dish. Culture can help you. Culture can destroy you. But when you get saved, your culture ought to become the kingdom of God. That's the culture in which you live in. Why? Because it's within you. That changes your perspective on everything. It changes your language, changes where you go, changes how you live, changes what you do. Why? Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is like this little child. That's who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He sets him in the midst. But the problem is, is he says, except you be converted. He's saying to the disciples here, they're still not converted. They still don't have understanding. That's why they're asking this question. They're wondering who's the greatest because they've not been converted. They don't see that the greatest has nothing to do with position or practice. The greatest has to do with who they're dealing with. He is the greatest. But as far as they are concerned, the illustration he's going to give them is this little child stands there, except you become like him. How do you do that? You've got to be converted and become as little children. You should not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let alone who's going to be the greatest. You can't even enter in unless you've been converted. You can't even enter in unless you bowed the knee. You can't even enter in unless you have submitted yourself to Jesus Christ and become as one of these little children. That's a great problem for most today. One, they've never been converted. Two, they will not humble themselves. I've heard people pray, Lord, would you humble me? That's something I'm not going to pray. I'd be scared to death to ask the Lord to humble me because I know how the Lord humbles people. And I'd be scared. I'd rather just humble myself under the mighty hand of God. There's so much instruction in the word of God concerning humbling ourselves. And Jesus tells us that in the very next verse, whosoever there shall humble himself as this little child. It's your obligation to humble yourself. You don't have to pray that God humble you. How foolish. Lord, help me to be humble. No, humble yourself. God hides pride from a man that he can be converted. But once you're converted, my friend, you ought to humble yourself. I believe a sinner can humble himself. Realize there's nothing good in him. There's no righteousness in him that God desires. There's nothing that he is worthy of salvation. He gets to that place. He's probably in a lot better place than what he was. Thinking he's something. Or thinking his works are something. Or thinking his manner of life is something. He gets to the place when he realizes he's absolutely nothing. He's in a better place. Why? Because he's probably closer to God than he's ever been. Because a lot of folks have been resistant to the things of God. Because God has been resistant to them because of their pride. For he resisteth the proud. And therefore, they resist God because they know God's resisting them. God's not accepting their labors. God's not accepting their works. God's not accepting their righteousness. God's not accepting their goodness. And they despise God for that. They hate the fact that God won't accept their goodness. They hate the fact that God won't accept their righteousness. They hate the fact that God won't accept them for who they are. Because they are somebody. They are from here. They are from there. And I realized years ago, I, I, I learned to quit tooting my own horn. Even in those little particulars, those little small things. And I remember when we were traveling with the government, and I'd been, I think, 12 different countries in about two and a half years. And, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive to me. Somebody, you know, from the sticks of uh, Maryland and ra- raised the last, you know, now 18 years here in Pennsylvania. 
And uh, yet I look at that and I'm going, you know, man, I've been in 12, and then I meet people that have been in 50 countries, 60 countries. I meet people that every year, just for kicks, they go travel to nine or 10 countries. You know, how can you boast of those things? You go brag about how much money you make and you find somebody that makes more money than you've ever dreamed of making. You boast of your, your building skills and you find the master builder. I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's not a person that can, can be impressed with you, the person, yet we spend all of our time trying to impress people. I heard a man just recently talking about something he did. He did. He did. Turns out his group about 30 people. He was just one of 30 people, but he kept using the terminology, I did. I did this. I did. I'm going, no, there were 30 people helping. If anything, you stood there and you, you shook the donkey's tail and made sure that you know, he got cleaned off good when he made a mess because that's about the only job they'll give some people to do. And they brag about that. Oh yeah, they couldn't have done this job without me. They couldn't have found a man like me to shake the doo-doo off the donkey's tail. No, sir, buddy. I'm not the best. You watch people have absolutely nothing in life, and they're proud of their place in life. People that have squandered their finances, they have no money, and they're proud of that. People that have to rely on the government to provide for everything, and yet they're proud. They're so proud of their life. Why? Because that pride of life is in them. And therefore, they cannot come because they will not be converted because of that pride, because God is still resisting them. And they wonder why God's resistant. They get bitter against God. They hate God for it. They despise that God won't save them on their terms. So what does man does? Man has changed the doctrine. Man has gone and twisted around the doctrine where now God is obligated to save on man's terms, regardless of his holiness, regardless of who he is. God is obligated to do for us what we think God should do because of who we are. And yet, God doesn't work that way. Unless you're going to be converted and become his little children, you don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. He told you that. You're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you become as a little child. But you know what little chi- children have? They have that, that simpleness. They have that simplicity of being a child. They don't know enough to be proud. They don't know enough to be puffed up. They've accomplished nothing. They rely on everybody for everything. And you know, realize something? Little children a lot of times are humble. They realize it. They speak bluntly. They speak truth. Why? Because they realize that there's nothing in them. They rely on mommy and daddy for everything. And when they quit being little children is when they quit relying on mommy and daddy and think they're big stuff. And I got a situation in my own home right now dealing with that. I'm big stuff. Why am I big stuff? Because I don't need my mommy and daddy anymore. And that's the way a lot of people get with God. I don't need God anymore. Who is God to help me? I've done this. I've accomplished this. I'm the man. I'm the one that's done all these things. I'm the one that has strength. I'm the one that has the ability. God resisteth the proud. Why does he resist the proud? Because the proud will not come as little children. And he said, if you humble yourselves as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So who's greater than another? Well, if we've all humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Those that have come by Jesus Christ. That's who's the greatest. There's no question about that. We don't look at one another and try to decide. I think, I think I'll be a little bit ahead of line. I think I'll be a little bit further ahead than so-and-so. You know, I think you know I'm a little bit better Christian than brother so-and-so. I think I, think I have a little bit better walk with God. No, the man that humbles himself, he realizes everybody's far ahead of him. Everybody's going to get far more rewards. Everybody's closer to God. Why? Because that man has humbled himself truly under the mighty hand of God. Again, Brother Fane Jordan, many, many years ago, in that great statement before he passed away, I heard him make it numerous times, but he'd make that statement. He'd say, a spiritual man doesn't think that he's spiritual, but a carnal man thinks that he's spiritual. People boast their spiritual being, their spiritual ways, and what they have done and what they have accomplished. No glory to God. Your testimonies today, they give no glory to God. 
It's all just basically the same things that could befall any wicked person. Good things. Good things come to wicked people. Uh, good, good people uh, can prosper. Good people can fail. Wicked people can prosper. Wicked people can fail. Uh, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And yet we think because it's something good's come to us, that's just the glories of God. It could just be the happenstance of life. God in his goodness has done good unto all men. He is a good God. His very character is good. His nature is to do good. But never think that those good things of God are a gift reserved for you because of who you are. That's not childlike faith. That's pride. That's arrogance, really. You think that God's done something for you because of who you are? Are you kidding me? God forbid I ever think God's done something for me because of who I am. But I know this, if God's ever done anything for me, it's because of who his son is. If God's ever done one good thing for me, which by the way, he's done many, many good things for me. God has been absolutely good to me. The Lord is good and doeth good. And I've said many times, and I mean that as much as I'm sitting here recording this, if he never did anything good for me again, just by his very goodness, I'd rejoice in him. I'd rejoice in the goodness of Almighty God. He is a good God. He is a faithful God. He is holy. He is just. He has salvation. Bless his holy name. I thank the Lord for his goodness. Thank the Lord for those wonderful works to the children of men. In verse 5, he said, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Therefore, if we receive those children, what those humbled ones, those ones that realize they can't even hold their head up without him, they can't walk without him. They can't lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting, without his help. That's where we all need to be. We've lost that humility. And by the way, most folks, they've learned to fake it. They'll go cry on the altar for about 10, 15 seconds, wipe the mascara, go back and sit down. A man will go up there and kneel on one knee and he'll look real somber. He won't cry because you know, he's too proud to cry. And he'll sit there at the altar and he'll kneel on that one knee and he'll pose a little pose and he'll get up in all humility and go back to his seat. Talk about how he humbled himself under the mighty hand of God for 12 seconds. The average altar call today, oh, we're so humble. No, he's about receiving little children. Who are those little children? That's exactly what he's speaking of. It's those ones that we don't want to give offense to. In verse 6, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. You are better off dying a death of drowning by a millstone hanged around your neck than to offend one of these little ones that believe in Jesus Christ. Yet folks don't give any thought to that. They give no consideration that these are the children of God. They give no consideration that these are the who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. And can I say, there, every saved person, if you've truly been born of God, there has been a time in your life you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God. You wouldn't be saved if you hadn't humbled yourself. You wouldn't be saved if you hadn't bowed the knee to him. You wouldn't be saved had you not given into his way and turned from your way. We'll be back tomorrow to finish chapter 18. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, 
which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.